2 Timothy ch chapter 3, and tonight we're going to see if we can uh, get through 1 through 17, verses 1 through 17. Uh, I uh, titled this, and I didn't make it up, it's called Perilous Times and Perilous Men. And depending on what version you'll read, that would be at the beginning of the chapter, and I felt that was appropriate for this particular message. So verse 1, but, but know this day that in the last days perilous times will come. And the last days refer to this age, the time since the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perilous describes uh, the savage nature of the two demon-possessed men, as it talked about. Well, it's the demon-possessed ones in uh, Matthew 8, 28. And Matthew 8, 28 says, when he had come to the other side, to the country of this Gergensing, uh, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no one could pass that way. And again, nothing new under the sun. We see uh, these, these perilous things that are happening around us. And uh, there's no need for fear. Uh, one of the things that the Lord just continues to repeat and over and over and over again, do not be afraid, do not fear. And there's a reason that he does that is because he knows that we're going to fear. We are. Each and every one of us, we say we're strong in the Lord. We're, we're really prayed up. And, and, but there's opportunities that, that present themselves that cause us to fear. And I, I want to encourage each and every one of us, that's going to happen. There are times where we're going to be afraid. And in the last opportunity I got to talk with you guys, I talked about how Timothy was beginning to experience that fear. Uh, and we'll talk about this as we go along because Timothy uh, from Lystra, and he saw some of the things that Paul went through. And he knows just by being involved in the ministry that he's going to be challenged, that he's going to be threatened, that he's going to be tried. And that's okay. That's okay because we know we have confidence, not in ourselves. We have confidence in the Lord that he's going to protect us through every situation. And, and I, 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 I want to live by that, knowing that he's got it. No matter what it is, no matter how, what we consider small, no matter what we consider little, he's got us covered. And know with confidence that he's got it. And don't doubt ourselves. You know, you in the flesh may have a tendency to stumble and fall, but God does not look at that as failure. In his world, in God's heart, in his mind, Failure is refusing to even get up again. So as long as we're making the effort, he said, what he says, aim for the mark. That's what he wants us to do, aim for that mark. And you're going to miss. You're going to miss. Sometimes you're going to miss by a little. Sometimes you're going to miss by a lot. But the point is you're still seeking him, and that's what he wants from us. Uh, 1 John uh, 2.18, well, let me back up. Uh, the word times in this context to know this, that in the last day, perilous times will come. And these times do not refer to a clock. They don't refer to a calendar, but they refer to an era. They refer to those dangerous eras that will increase in frequency and severity until the return of Jesus Christ. It's going to be there. It's going to be there, folks. And, and you see it. You, you know, if you're a person that keeps up with what's going on around the world, you see it. Or all you do is you can see it happening across the street. 
these things are is becoming more and more perilous. And as we listen uh, uh, to the, the powers that be of the talking heads, we see that the, the, as our pastor talked about this morning, all filth. When you look at every context of what we see and hear, it's all filth. Magazines, movies, um, you name it. And the, the, the problem with that is we get to a point where we become so passive until we're expected to accept that. Well, everybody else accepts it, so why don't we? No, we can't have that mindset. We can't have that attitude. We need to take a stand. Well, what am I supposed to do? And I won't say just pray, you know, because that, that, that would be undermining what prayer does, what prayer is. So just continue to pray. And if you've got an opportunity to witness to one of our sisters or one of our brothers, take advantage of that. Fellowship is important, so important. So don't deny that. Don't just discount the power of fellowship. Second Peter 3.3 3 says, Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts. And we're going to talk about that word lust because I, I think we have a, a false meaning or a false misconception of what that really is. We limit lust to sexual uh, gratification. And it's far from that. But we will talk about that in a few minutes. First John 2.18 says, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. Jude 18, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. It's that word again. Uh, and, and, and it talks about those who fall prey to the false teachers will abandon the Christian faith. Oh, it's much easier if I don't believe this. It's much easier if I don't believe that. And sometimes we fall into these man-made rules, man-made doctrines that make, we think it's easier for us. It's easier to serve if I can get through life by just being a good person. My religious system says if you're, if you're a good person, your ticket's punched. And we're far from that. What's a good person? What does that mean? Tell me what that means. Well, I haven't kill anybody. I haven't stolen. I haven't done it. But read, read the commandments again and pray for wisdom and understanding what that really means. We think in the physical standpoint, well, I've never hurt anybody. I'm good to everybody. And, and I'm not so sure if that's the case with all of us. I can speak for myself. No, I'm not good to everybody. You know, and I could say the Christian thing and say, well, of course, you know, I treat everybody the same way. Far from it. I do not. And I'm not putting anyone down for what they do or don't do, but it's just that I know it's so difficult to be good from the world's definition of what good is. Uh, and it's, this talks about those who fall prey with the bend to the Christian faith. They are professing of nominal believers or nominal believers who defect after believing lies and deception which reveals their true nature as unconverted. And we see some who play church. We see some uh, undercover Christians. We some see some who are really not uh, could, uh, confined or, or connected to the cause. 
and they pass themselves off as Christians because they do these outwardly things. They laugh at the, at the, the Pharisees, Sadducees, Pharisees. They laugh. Oh, man, those guys are phonies. Are you any different in that respect? First uh, John 2.19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us but they went out and they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Phonies. Fakes. And they, uh, the, the problem with, with being around people like that is sometimes you don't always know because the only thing you can judge is the fruit of the Spirit. And we have to be careful with that because they look at us and say, hey, don't judge me, man. And essentially, that's what we're doing. All we have to go by is what you, how you live. And we're going to see your life before you hear your words. So we have to be careful what we're conveying. And it doesn't mean you have to impress anybody with your Christianity. It just means to thine own self be true. Be true to the gospel. Be true to what the Lord has put in your heart. Be true to what he's guiding you to and what he's guiding you from. Be true to that. And that's what we have to do. Verse 2, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, bolsters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, we could spend the next hour and 37 minutes discussing all these things, but we don't. We won't. We won't because if you are are walking with your heart, your eyes, and your ears open, you see these. You see these men. You hear these men, and you know that every single one of these is true. Every one. Let's just start with uh, lovers of themselves. How many of these men think that the universe revolves around them? Love is a money. Uh, with money, I equate uh, the, the desire for power. Bolsters, proud, unthankful, unholy, traitors. Love is a pleasure rather than lovers of God. And that one was so evident in our society right now. And it's not nothing new. It's nothing new, my friends. It's been there all along, but as because of certain technology, we get to see it. And there was a time when there was that respect for that, that man in the, in the top seat in the land, a person in the top seat of the land where they just kept certain things undercover. And those days are gone. Now, uh, there's no such thing as having skeletons in your closet and not having them exposed. And we want to be beyond that. We don't want to hide anything with God, with our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's called intimacy. And we define it as an into me see. That means you're transparent, that I can see. I know when there is this blackness in you because everything changes. You're not the same person anymore. So you want him to be able to see into you. 
You want her to be able to see into you. You want them to know that you are open and you're living clearly. You're living righteously. And it's so important to, to just ingrain, allow that to ingrain your very thinking. I want to live righteously. I want to be upright. And in order to do that, we need to follow the ways, the will, and the word of Jesus Christ. Uh, and uh, with those, those things that we talked about, and these are the attributes that describe the leader of this dangerous season as well as all unbelievers. It's a dangerous bunch because they're susceptible to what, whichever way the wind blows. And we have to be careful with that. We have to be careful that we don't get drawn in. Even though we consider ourselves strong Christians, if you spend too much time with that group that is non-believers, they're going to affect you more than likely, more than you would affect them. And you might think that's not true. We want to believe that, yeah, we're strong. We're, we're, we're dyed-in-the-wool Christians, so I'm not going to let anyone or anything sway me. Here's a problem. How do you know when you're being deceived? You don't. Deception is one of those things that a lot of time you don't recognize it until you're in deep. Oh, wow, I, I, I never caught on to what he or she was saying or doing until after the fact. Now you're in. You got a chance of coming out because the good thing about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he always gives you a way out. He always gives you hope. There's never a time, if you're in the Lord, that you can say that you're hopeless. Not sincerely. You can say it, but sincerely, there's always hope. So no matter what your situation is, no matter what you're going through, what you're coming from, you're in or going to, he's got it. He's got you covered. So we can, we can count on that, and I, I'm thankful. Mark seven twenty to 23, and he said, What comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murder, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. All of these things come from within and defile mankind. And again, you see some of these things that are repeated, but it's just that anytime the Lord repeats anything, that means it's more than likely one of those things that we have a hard time receiving or comp uh, comprehending. So he's just going to repeat it. This, these are the things that you see. These are the things that you're going to see. But he's warned us. We, can't, we shouldn't be surprised when we hear about these things that are going on around us. He's warned us in his word. These things are coming. These things are coming. There will be perilous times. Will you see them? It's your choice. Whether you choose to or not, but it is your choice. I don't want to see that. Well, get on board. Get on board with the Lord. And again, even now, we're going to see some things that we don't like. You know, there are people among us with prodigal children. There are people among us who are dealing with death, pain, and we're going to be subjected to those things. But we, we won't. 
We won't give up hope. There's always hope in Christ. Verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. In this context, form speaks of the outward shape or appearance. The unbelieving scribes, Pharisees, false teachers, and their followers are all concerned with external appearances. We need to be careful. You know, what do you know about this person? He's a good Christian man because he goes to church. He's a good Christian man because I've heard him quote scripture without reading it. He's a good Christian man because I, I saw him praying once. External, my friends. And again, we don't need to judge, but just be careful that we don't give him credit. And, and too often I hear, you know, I know the Lord says he's not a respecter of persons, and I pray that we can be that as well. You know, we, we respect this man. We, we hang everything on his word because he, he runs a mega church. Well, he must be a man of God because he's got 10,000 people in his congregation. There's no correlation between a heart for God and the number of people that hear you speak. None. And our pastor made reference to that this morning, you know, talking about a particular person, basically it's a sideshow. You know, it's showtime at the Apollo, and that's what the people want, and that's what draws them there. Those, those pastors that teach, um, you know, the love of money, God wants you to be rich. God wants you to have a nice home. God wants you to have a nice car. And that could be true. But it's not for everybody. And for those prosperity teachers, they're, they're drawing them in. They're drawing them in because if he can teach me how to do what he did, how to get what he got, then all is good. No, it isn't. Everybody can't handle that. And uh, this external appearance of, of Christ, uh, Christianity and purity makes them especially dangerous to weak believers. Those are people who say that I, I am, I am a Christian, but it's in word. I am a Christian. Those are weak believers, and they are especially prone to being drawn in, especially if you say the right thing, just what they want to hear. And you've all, we've all heard the term itching ears. And it refers to that. Tell me what I want to hear, and you got me. You got me. You got me drawn in. Uh, verse 6. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. And this word lust, just a little bit clarity on that. Uh, it's not mere, it doesn't merely refer to illicit sexual desire, but also such lust as pride, We've heard this word before, desire for wealth and power. I spoke of that earlier. Jealousy, you know, and, and when I think of that, I think of the word covetousness. Self-assertiveness and argumentative spirit. And all of those things can be extremely dangerous. Pride, extremely dangerous. Desire for wealth and power. Dangerous, jealousy, self-assertiveness, and an argumentative spirit. Extremely dangerous. Let's not take those things lightly. If we got someone who wants to continue to debate the word of God, then uh, there's so many areas where the Lord lets us know. Titus, Timothy, uh, 
you know, he makes it certain that this is not something that we should allow ourselves to do. And some of us have been subjected to that somewhat recently. And the word just, he just continued to pour that, that spirit into us. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And sometimes we don't listen. So a lot of, in, in this, in the, these, these characteristics, I, I, I read them and, and I think uh, disobedience needs to be there, but I'm not going to add or take anything away from God's word. Uh, it, and these gullible women, uh, they were weak in virtue and the knowledge of the truth. And they were weighed down with spiritual and emotional guilt over their sins. These women were easy prey for the false teachers. I'll just tell you what you want to hear. Uh, we had this conversation this last week at this point. It was about these, uh, these men and women that come in and, and tell you what's going on in your life. And God gave me a message to give you. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Does the intercessor need an intercessor? So if God wanted you to know, he would tell you and they would come in and they would give these generic. You're going to receive money this week. Well, yeah, I work. I got paid. You know, <laughs> here you go. So he was right. He was right. You know, you're going to receive a blessing from the Lord. Wow, I woke up. I can see. Wow, the guy was right. You know, and on and on and on. So let's not get caught up into that. And that's what these gullible women were prone to. And again, you know, when we talk about men, we talk about mankind. And when we talk about women in this context, we're talking about mankind. That's not what Paul was making reference to. He even went back to Genesis to explain what he meant by this. But again, in the interest of time, we, we don't need to do that. Verse 7, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Paul identified these women and men who were constantly jumping from one false teacher or cult to another without ever coming to an understanding of God's saving truth in Jesus Christ. And today it would be equivalent, uh, again, at the risk of judging, church hopping. We get to see that a lot. Uh, you know, even here, uh, you know, well, we're going to leave the church. Why do you want to go? Uh, well, there's another church that gives you a lot more to do. They have a lot more social activity. And we just pray with them and wish them well. That's all we should do. You know, you've got to make that choose today, choose this for yourself, who you will serve. And they want to go where there's activity. You know, the word is not enough. And we just have to bid them farewell. Hopefully we'll see you later. But for now, that's, if that's where the Lord's calling you, be prayerful and make sure of that. Verse 8. Now as Janice and Jambres resisted Moses, so did they, though these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. Although these, these two uh, uh, were mentioned, uh, they were not mentioned in the Old Testament, it is believed they were two of the Egyptian magician, magicians that opposed Moses. And you can find that in, in Exodus chapter 7, 8, and 9. Uh, you can read it for yourself, and it's talking about these. Paul used these two as examples because the false teachers at Ephesus we're practicing deceiving signs and wonders. And one of the things that I learned uh, from reading the word concerning signs and wonder is it's never enough. 
Lord, show us signs and wonders. Show us that you're real. Show us, you know, this. show us that. And you found out that it's never enough. I can show you. I mentioned to you last time. Uh, if you want to see a miracle, look in the mirror. How many of us were over there before we gave our life to Christ? How many of us were living an ungodly life before we came to Christ? Is it not a miracle that you allowed yourself to be converted through the Holy Spirit? Is it not a miracle that now you're living a life that you didn't even think was possible? Look in the mirror. There's your miracle. That he would even choose to save me. Oh, my gosh. Wicked. Disobedient. Unscrupulous. All of these things, but he chose to save me in spite of that. We never thought, and even now we question ourselves, am I good enough? The answer is no, you're not. You're not good enough. But the fact that he's sovereign, he would take you, he would bring you in, he would clean you off, and he would put you on that road to righteousness. No matter where you've been, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, Disapprove in this context can be translated as debased or useless in the sense of being tested and shown to be worthless. Now, this doesn't exist in the heart of God. And we've seen proof of it. And when we say worthless of our no good, I personally don't consider that as possible. The way I look at it, this is the only opinion you're ever going to hear from me. To God, nothing is useless, nothing is worthless. And, and that's going to be the last thing we're going to talk about before we end tonight. Because if nothing else, you can serve as a bad example. That, don't, that won't make a lot of sense to most of you, but he uses each vessel in a different way. And that's what he does. I'm, I'm using you in this way because I want to teach someone else something. So he's, he can use you no matter what you consider yourself. But I just want to make it clear in this context, he's talking about metals that are being tested and shown to be worthless. Gold, silver. You know, you, 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 get, you get the dross off and then you realize there's not much left. That's all that's referring to. It doesn't mean that that's the heart of God at all. He loves you. He cares for you. And he knows what's best. All he asks you to do is only believe. Wow, brother, it's not that simple. Gospel is simple. It's up to you. Verse 9, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. Eventually, it would become clear that the false teachers are lost fools. And uh, in Psalm uh, 14, 1, it says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And if you spend enough time reading the word, the fool has said in his heart, no God. No. I'll do it my way. You know, I, I've done this uh, nine times and I messed up, but I'm going to get it right on the tenth try. So I don't really need your help. Here's the problem. He let you go. 
Now you're, you're not disqualified. Your salvation is not taken away. Okay, that's what you want. Have at it. There's consequences for that. And we need to understand that there's going to be consequences. Uh, and it becomes clear in the case of these, these, these uh, magicians as they uh, were opposed to what Moses, Moses what was saying to them and showing them from the Lord, they had other plans. Verse 10, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. This should be the desire and is the desire of any true believer in Jesus Christ. This was their desire and this should be ours. Are we carefully, and the word, if, if the word carefully, but you have followed my doctrine, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my love, and my perseverance. Have you done that? Have you made a commitment to allow yourself to, to form a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And that's the first step for the uh, brothers and sisters. That's what it comes down to, a personal relationship. We can't get in on, on the fact that grandma or grandpa were sold out to the Lord. We can't get in on the, on the fact that our mom or our dad were Christians, born-again Christians. We can't. We can't. It's personal. It's a personal relationship with him. And just the fact that you were fearfully and wonderfully made means he's got a different approach for you. It may not be like he did or she did, but it's just for you. And that's what he does. What he has for you is for you. Um, verse 11. Persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured. This is Paul. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Now, for those who spent some time reading the word and understanding the life of Paul, it's a lot. He went through a lot. And again, you know, we, we're not going to get into that. But uh, in, this, in this case, persecution in the Greek means to put to flight. That means get out of Dodge. Paul had been forced to flee from Damascus in Acts 9. He had been forced to flee from Antioch in Acts 13.50. He had been forced to flee from Iconium in Acts 14.6. He had been forced to flee from Lystra in Acts 16.1. And he had been forced to flee from Berea in Acts 17.14. As a native of Lystra, uh, Timothy recalled the persecution Paul, Paul faced in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. And back in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 is, we talked about, actually uh, 1 and 2, it, it refers to where Timothy was beginning to develop a fear of man because he was, he was well aware of what had happened to Paul in these three, uh, three cities. And now he, he knew that as he grew in the faith, as time went on, eventually he was going to save uh, he's going to experience those same persecutions. And Paul encouraged Timothy, stir up the fire, stir up the fire, stir up the fire, because he knew that Timothy was fading in a sense. And Timothy, wasn't, he wasn't going to give up the faith, 
but now he was being influenced in a negative way by the people around him, especially the men that were teaching in the church. And Timothy knew that at one point Paul had to put some men out of the church, and it would come to a time when Timothy would have to do the same thing. Timothy was not comfortable with that. He, he was a youngster, uh, relatively speaking, and he, just, he, he wasn't ready for that yet. He was ready for the ministry. He loved the Lord, and he knew that the Lord loved him back. But these are the things that are going to go with your making a commitment to Jesus Christ. And it's the same for us. And we may not, we, we cannot define persecution in the way that Paul did. But we could even uh, consider persecution as rejection. Those guys rejected me because uh, I had a different opinion about word, what the word of God says. Those guys wouldn't talk to me because... Uh, I, I just had a totally different perspective. They said I was interpreting the, the word of God all wrong. My family told me that I could no longer socialize with them because all I wanted to do was come and talk about this Jesus. My family told me that if I just continued to come around and, and, and mention the name of the Lord, then they prefer me not come around. I can't see my children because my family says I'm a bad influence because I'm a Jesus freak. I'm a Bible thumper. I'm a scripture head. And these things are real, my friends. They're real. And for those who haven't been subjected to that, God bless you. But I can tell you, I personally know some who've been subjected to these things. Either you believe in what we believe in or, uh, you know, don't come around us. And you say, well, that's not really persecution, but it can be for some. How sensitive are you to being rejected by your friends and family? Some of us can say, well, good riddance. And there are some of us who our hearts are so Connected until we have trouble with that. How do you define persecution? No, we haven't been boiling oil. We haven't been stoned. We haven't been shipwrecked. We haven't been thrown out of, kicked out of the gates. But how do you define persecution? Verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will Suffer persecution. Now, this is straight from the word of God. And I'm looking at this and making sure it doesn't say, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus might suffer persecution. It says, will. Will suffer persecution. It's going to happen. And we as faithful believers must expect persecution. Well, that's not right. Well, did anybody say being a Christian was going to be fair? If anybody told you that, then you should lay hands on them. You expect, we must expect persecution and suffering at the hands of the non-believing world. It's not having us, I'm sorry, it's not hating us so much because who we are, but it's hating us for whose we are. They don't hate you. 
It may seem that way if you take it personally. They're not hating you. They're hating our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They're hating what he stands for. They're hating the fact that, that they're counting the cost and say, well, I'm not going to have this man rule over me because I've got to give up things. I've got to give up stuff. I'm not giving up this just for the sake of saying I belong to him. And there are some who say he's my Lord, but he's really not my Savior. There are some who say he's my Savior, but he's really not my Lord. If you are committed to the cause, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're following the faith in the true sense of the word with a pure heart, he's your Lord and your Savior. There's no dividing line here, my friends. He's your Lord and your Savior. And if that's not how you think of it, then we need to pray more. Then we need to dig into the word and get a better understanding of what that really means. There is no slash between Lord and Savior. You're all in or you're all out. Verse 13, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So what are you saying to me that those, over, those evil men and impostors are, are not only deceiving, but they're being deceived? The answer is yes. Yes, they are. We're going through a, a time right now where we see the people that make the rules, the people that... Uh, enforce the rules they're being deceived and so as a result they're deceiving others if you believe in this if I not if I believe in the word of God so that's what I'm going to talk about and if I'm convinced that this is you know this is not for me this is not for us this is this is fake news, then I'm going to start believing that, and as a result, that's what I'm going to teach. These men that were teaching in Ephesus, they were teaching that resurrection was not a part of the faith process. How, uh, who made that up? Where'd that come from? But there were people who were okay with that. It's less on me to have to believe I just believe that all I need to do is pray, and God is going to give me what I want, and I'm going to live happily ever after. No, it doesn't work that way, my friends. And uh, all the perilous movements of the false teachers will become more successful, and, and that's a word I, I struggle with, successful until Christ returns. But how do, they, how do we define success? I don't like using that word from a, from a biblical standpoint, unless it relates to the Holy Spirit. But he will allow them to become. He will allow them to get all the trappings of the world. He will allow it. So they, uh, the, the old American dreams, dream, the car, the house, the clothes, the kids, the wife, husband, all these things. So I'm a blessed man. So for you guys who need Jesus, but I already got what you're praying to have. I'm good. Don't buy it. That's deception. Verse 14. 
But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Knowing from whom you have learned them. Faith is confident that God's word is true. That's what faith is. And love is kindness and compassion in teaching that truth. And sometimes that may not always come through. That love, that compassion, it depends on you. But don't put your faith in man. Put your faith in God. Faith is confident that God's word is true. And it is. It is very true. Uh, Are you expressing his love with kindness and compassion? Sometimes we do. Sometimes not so much. But again, he's the judge of that. 15, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures. He's talking to Timothy. Which, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That genuine faith was instilled in Timothy by Lois and Eunice through the Holy Spirit and encouraged by Paul that the commandments of love is to preach the truth. Warn of errors so we can be called to salvation in Christ which produces a love for God. That's the outcome. What can go wrong? How can that go bad? I have faith in Christ. I know his word is true. I do teach his word with kindness and compassion. And I teach the truth. What's the downside? Well, uh, the downside, brother, is I'm not liked. Keep in mind what we said earlier. It's not you that they're opposed to. It's whose you are. Always keep that in mind. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And sometimes God told the Bible's writers their exact words to say. But more often he used their minds, vocabularies, and experience to produce his perfect and errant word. There are no inspired scripture writers, only inspired scripture When scripture speaks, God speaks. Scripture cannot be altered. Can't. It's inerrant. Don't add or take anything away. Cannot be altered. In this context, doctrine is the divine instruction of both the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's one book, one God, one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, the Old Testament, uh, they didn't receive Christ the way that we did. He used that law to get us to grace. And there were some who just believed. There are some of us who just believe. Things don't always go well as a result of that. But we just believe. Reproof here means to rebuke, rebuke for wrong belief or wrong behavior. And the scripture exposes sin that can be dealt with through confession and repentance. Any and all sin can be dealt with if you truly believe God. Said earlier, it doesn't really matter what you've done, where you've been, what you've been exposed to, what you've been involved with. God has a plan, and he always will. 
And here, uh, correction refers to restore something to its proper condition. The scripture also points the way back to God a living, always. God, you want to know how to get back to proper living? Read the word of God. And no matter who you are, where you are, what your area of sin is, he's giving you an example in his word. Where you been? Uh, well, I was this. Okay, let's go to, uh, you know, I'm not going to make any presumptions here, but there's someone in there that he gave to you as an example. Wow, look at this guy and look at this woman. She ended up in Hebrews 11? That's, that's, that's impossible. No, it isn't. The word says all things are possible with God. We need to believe that in our heart. All things are possible. And he will, he will show us a way back. And I said earlier, Christ always gives us hope. Always. The word hopeless is, if you mention hopeless to Christ, he would have to look it up to see what it means. Uh, I, don't, I never heard that word. Because the word, only word he knows is hope. Never hopeless. There's always a, an opportunity to come out. God's instructions provide positive training in godly behavior, not just rebuke and correction of wrong behavior. Positive training. And training means it's a process. We're not going to get it right away. He has to keep working and working and working. We're hard. We're stubborn. We're just, we're all of that. And he has to keep on showing us over and over again. And that's why my prayer is he just keeps giving us a chance to get it right. Don't despair. Don't despair. Just keep on pressing. Keep on seeking him. Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. A man of God is a preacher of divine truth. That man of God is capable of doing everything one is called to do. But he must be enabled by God to meet all the demands of godly ministry and especially godly living. We can talk it, but can we walk it? And we like to think so, but who are you fooling? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a good person at church, but I can be whatever I want those other six days. Who's going to know? Who's going to know? God's going to know. And, and he knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. And there's no fooling him. Uh, as we've heard before from the pastor, he can't be surprised. Well, I had no idea she was going to do that. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea that he was going to allow his thought life to go there. I am shocked. No, that's not our God. He knows. He knows. He even knew before the, you were created. He even knew before then where you were going to go with that. He knew. There's no fooling him. God's word not only encouraged the vessel that God uses, but in all who follow that vessel which is used by God. That's important to understand that whole concept. God gives you vessels that he wants you to follow. But make sure that vessel is led by God. Follow me as I follow Jesus. Otherwise, this whole thing can go all wrong. 
Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 says, And he himself gave some to the apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. But what is that really saying? He will prepare you for every good work. He knows his plan for you, and he will equip you for whatever you need to get through that. No matter what it is, uh, doesn't really matter where you're from, where you want to go. God has a plan through it. And it may not line up with what you want. And in my case, most of the time it doesn't. But that's just me. Uh, just keep in mind, just, just think on this. Moses started in the mountain and ended up in the desert. David started in the desert and ended up in a man. Did I say mountain? Moses started in a mansion and ended up in a desert. David started in the, in the desert and ended up in a mansion. So regardless of your beginning, God has a plan. He wants to use that vessel last time, a time before we talked about vessels of honor, vessels of dishonor. Your vessel of honor in his eyes is just that he chooses to use you differently. He wants to use you as a pastor. He wants to use you as a sound operator. He wants to use you as whatever. I don't know. He just wants to use you, each and every one of us. So don't think for a moment that he has no purpose for your life. Sometimes we do feel that way, but we shouldn't. He always has a purpose. Allow God to use you how he wants Allow, allow God to use you where he wants. Allow God to use you when he wants. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. Are you showing his love to others? Are you even showing his love to yourself? Some of us beat ourselves up because we've made a mistake. We stumble how can God continue to love me? I'm wretched. Yeah, he knows that. He mentioned it. But we don't give up. There's always hope. There's always a chance. There's always an opportunity to get back on the right track. Only believe. He has a purpose. He has a plan. Our problem is we want to exercise free will. And we don't always make godly decisions. I pray that everyone here tonight and everyone there, that you would just continue to focus on making godly decisions. Our flesh wants to rule. Our flesh wants to take the easy road, the path of least resistance. Always. Don't allow it. And don't give the enemy credit for those times that you stumble. Don't give the enemy credit for those times when your thought life goes awry. Don't give the enemy credit when you're not, you don't feel loved. You're always loved. And because you're in a Christian environment, I pray that you will see that love 
manifested. I pray that. I pray that the people around you would just want to just, you know, when he, when he provides us with all those tender mercies, that we would say, you know, I have an abundance. Here's some. Share it. Give it out. Instead of walking around like this, walk around like this. Look what the Lord has given me. You want some? There. That's our attitude. I pray that's our attitude. And I pray that each and every one of us will continue to seek his face. Become humble. Pray. Seek his face. Turn from our wicked ways. Then the Lord will hear from heaven. Forgive our sins and heal our land. The opportunities are there, folks. Unlimited. Our God has no boundaries. You are just as special to him as anyone. What he did for Paul. What he did for Timothy. What he did for any person in the Bible, he'll do for you. He says he's not a respecter of persons, and I, I depend on that. Everything that he's done, he's willing to continue to do. How he used them, he'll continue to use you. How he brought them out, he'll bring you out. Choose this day who you will serve. As for me in this house, we will serve the Lord. Father, we just thank you for your tender mercies. We just thank you for how you've given us another opportunity to get it right. We just thank you for your word that just continues to penetrate our hearts, Father. And we just pray now that... uh, we would just allow it to just inhabit our whole being, Father, that we would not allow ourselves to be drawn in by the deceivers. We would not allow ourselves to be influenced by those non-believers. We would not allow ourselves to uh, turn away from the faith. We would continue to contend for the faith. We would continue to fight. And we look forward to that day when you will say, well done, my good and faithful servant, Father. That would just bless our hearts so much. And we know that's your desire. I just pray that our will, our desire, will line up with what you have for us. May you receive the glory of all. And Father, if I've said even one word here tonight that discouraged my sister or my brother, I pray that you would just erase it from my minds even now. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you're going to do. And I thank you for whose we are. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys.